Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Entrusted. Putting your money where your God is. What does it look like for you individually to, to process through your finances? What do your finances look like? Are, are they strong? Are they healthy? Um, do you have more at the end of the month than you had at the beginning of the month? Or, or are you upside down in your finances? You see, this message this morning, more than any other message in this series, is going to be a very practical message. Um, you're probably not going to see me um, get into a real preaching Pentecostal moment in this message uh, because this message really takes the nuts and bolts of finances and helps us to remember the things that really, quite honestly, many of us adults have, have already heard, but we haven't allowed it to sink in. Anybody else ever like that? You hear something, you're like, yeah, I I've heard that before. That's the, the same thing I've heard for years. But the problem is, even though we've heard it, we really haven't applied it. Therefore, there's no change and nothing is improved. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to look at the practical side of our finances. What are we doing individually, day in and day out, with the money that God has entrusted? Again, let me say the same thing that I've shared almost every single week. This series is not about a larger offering. If it was about a larger offering, we would have taken the offering at the end of the service. This series is about reaching and empowering people for the kingdom of God. Our mission as a church is to love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus Christ. And one of, those, one of those ways that we've got to be empowered is we have to learn how to deal with our finances because if we don't learn how to deal with our finances, our finances will deal with us. And we'll never truly be able to be all that God wants us to be and He won't be able to use us all the ways He wants to use us if we allow our finances to rule us. Amen. Thank you for that amen this morning. It's about reaching, empowering people for the kingdom of God. It's about learning the joy of giving. How many of you know that giving is a great joy? We learned last week it's better to give than to receive. We love to receive stuff. We all love free stuff. We all love when someone gives us something. But the Bible says that your ability to give to somebody else, your ability to bless someone, I said I wasn't going to preach. Your ability to give to someone else will create such a joy inside of your heart. Why? Because in that moment, you're taking on the heart of the one that created you. You're taking upon the heart of the one that changed you. You're taking upon the heart of the one that wants to lead you in a new direction. There's joy in giving. That's the purpose of this series, is for us to learn I know, I know, I know it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. 
But we all need to learn, no matter what age bracket we're in, we need to, young people, listen. If you can grab a hold of this now at a young age, come on, those of you that are over 40. Some of the young adults this morning, I was talking about life groups, and they refer, can you believe this? They referred to me as one of the old guys. I'm happy to tell you that young adult no longer attends here. No, I'm just kidding. He, he's a great help in the back. Um, he's on the camera, so I, I've got I've to keep being nice. Josh, I love you. Learn the joy of giving. It's about following God's plan for what He has entrusted us with. It's about taking us from being inwardly focused, which is easy to do, yes. It's so easy to become inwardly focused. Man, if, I, if somehow I, I find $100, what can I do with $100? Man, there's so much that I can do with $100, right? But what is it that God wants you to do with the money that He has blessed you with? Let me ask you a, a very practical question this morning. How are you doing with your personal finances? How are you doing with that which God has entrusted you? Are you simply staying afloat? Are you sinking rapidly? How are you managing the money that God has blessed you with in this season of your life. Now, before we really get into the, the heart of this message, I want to share with you some false hopes that we try to place in our finances. The first thing is this. Oftentimes, we, we try to believe that, that more money equals happiness. If I just have a little bit more money, if I can just earn a little bit more, if I could just get a, a few more hours at work and bring in a little bit more, if I can just get that second or third job, then I can bring in a little bit more. And when I have more money, then I'm going to be happier. That's what all of our culture is trying to tell us. Buy our products, Pick up our merchandise and you will be happier than you've ever been before. I have never seen a commercial where someone goes in and they're, they're buying something and they're frowning and, and they're just, just, I don't like this product, right? It's always, this is the greatest moment of all of my life and everyone is jumping and balloons are going and confetti is shooting in the sky and everyone's excited. Why? Because the product wants you to think that if you just have that, if you just had a little bit more, then you'd be happy. I will tell you that it is true that more stuff can make you happy for a short season, for a short time. You get a brand new car, and you're excited about that thing, and then you, you get that, that thing that they require you to do is that first payment. 
And suddenly, all of that excitement isn't quite as exciting because you have that first payment, and then you've got your insurance that went up because that car is newer, and it's a little nicer, and now you owe more on that, and suddenly that new car smell isn't quite there because you have teenagers. And it just isn't as exciting as it once was. It loses its excitement. It loses the luster, and someone else gets a newer model and suddenly yours isn't the coolest one on the block well listen to what solomon says in ecclesiastes chapter 5 he says those who love money will never have enough now i could stop right there that is that is paramount those that that love money if you are consumed by your money, if you're consumed by the material items, if you think in your mind that, that having more is going to make you happier, guess what? You're fooling yourselves. Solomon, the wisest man of the Bible, he says if you love your money, you'll never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, here it is, hold on to this, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. A false hope is that my money equals, having more money equals having more happiness. The more money I obtain, the more product I obtain, the more that I hold on to, the more that I accumulate, the happier I'll be. And Solomon says, how foolish it is to have that mindset. The second false hope is this, more money makes me important. If I can just have more money, if I can just wear the latest clothing, if I can have the, the latest shoes. By the way, we went to a, a store while we were on vacation. I'm not going to name the store, but it was a costly store, and I just wanted to see what it was like, and there were armed guards all over the store. But can I just tell you, the clothes in that place were the most hideous looking things ever. It's a true story. I was like, what are you doing? Shoes were like four and $5,000 a piece, and I'm like, 30 bucks right here for my friend, 30 bucks. And I wear them every day. Man, more money makes you more important. Wrong. Luke says this, beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much you own. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he says, Satan's going to try to steal from you. He's going to try to kill you. He's, in fact, he's going to try to destroy you. But Jesus has come, why? To give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus has come to give you real life. Financial status, having more, is never going to give you real life. It's not going to make you more important. It's going to give you greater responsibility. But it's not going to make you more important. Jesus is the only one that can give real life. Beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much you we own, that you own or we own. It's based on the myth that I am 
what I own, that my value is based upon my valuables, that my net worth determines my self-worth. If I just have more, then I'm a a greater person. If I drive a a newer car, then I'm a, a better person. If I have newer clothing or name brand clothes, I'm a better person. If I have this or I have that or I have the the latest of this, then I'm going to be more important than anyone else in the room. Listen to me, young people. Our culture is trying to convince you that that's the truth, but I'm telling you, it's a lie from the pit. God is the only one that can give you real joy. If you believe that you've got to have more to be more, more important, then you think things like this, I've got to get more because I want to be respected. I've got to obtain more because I want everyone to like me. I want to be popular. I want more respect from those around you, around me. But that's just not the case. The more money we make does not make us more important. Some of you need to write down this next statement. Your value is not found in what you own, but in who owns you. Some of you need to write that down right now. Your value is not found in how much you have in your pocketbook. Your value is not found in what you've accumulated in your savings account or your checking accounts. Your value is not based upon what kind of car you drive or what kind of house that you have. Your value is not based upon your financial status, but your value is based upon who owns you in life. Have you given yourself to Jesus or not? You see, there's coming to a point in time, the Bible says that every one of us has an appointed time in which we will die. That's encouraging, isn't it? You're welcome. But here's what I'm getting at. When you reach that moment, when you leave this physical body, when you leave this earthly body, when you come face to face with God Almighty, He's not going to look at you and say, show me your bank account, show me the money. going to open up the book of life and he's going to say you know what let me me find out if you if you surrendered yourself to me there will be those that said man i prophesied for you i did this for you i gave every week i even did this and i even did that and he'll say depart from me because i don't know you you never surrendered your life the wages of sin is death free gift of God. See, that, that's the moment. That's the moment we're talking about. Surrendering ourselves, trusting God with, with all of our lives. Who owns you today? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? That's the eternal decision. The only eternal decision. Yes, what you do with your finances is important here on earth. But the only decision that's going to last for all eternity have you given yourself to Jesus Christ? See, we think that making more money makes us happier. We think making more money makes us important. And number three, we believe that more money brings security. If I can just have a little bit more 
money, then, then everything will, will be okay, then we'll be all right, we'll, we'll be able to have this and have that, and we'll be able to stay afloat, and we'll be able to maybe even move forward a little bit. But Proverbs 23 says this, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Now hold on, I'm not saying be a lazy slug. A workman's worthy of his pay, the Bible tells us that. But don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In a blink of an eye, wealth does what? Disappears. Anybody ever sensed that with your bank account? They had that new um, online banking where you just take a picture of your check and it goes in your bank account. Any of you don't raise your hand, but any of you ever have that moment where it almost is like you take a picture and it goes, and now it's suddenly in someone else's bank account? In a blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. According to careerbuilder.com, um, they did a survey, and 40% of all Americans, 40% of all Americans live paycheck to paycheck all the time. Can you believe that? 40%. That means almost half this room, just shy of half this room, lives paycheck to paycheck every single month all the time. They also say that at least 77% of all Americans live paycheck to paycheck at least part of the time. I believe the problem runs so much deeper, deeper than these statistics. I believe, here's the problem. As Americans, as people, we have a spending problem. We spend out of control. So never put your security in something that can be taken away so very quickly. The only thing that you can stand upon is that God will never abandon you. That God will never forsake you. That God will never walk away. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. By the way, do you remember week two? In order to be rich, make about $33,000 a year, and according to statistics, you are rich because you're in the top 1% of the wealthiest in the world. So here we go. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in. Say that with a little bit, little bit more excitement. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God's come. Jesus has come to give you life and life more abundantly. He's come to fill you with joy. He's come to fill you with excitement. He's come to give you a reason and a purpose for life. I'm here to tell you, if you will allow God to take full reign of every area of your life, He has a better plan for you. Thank you. Very quickly, Five principles of personal finances. Now, let me just say this as a disclaimer on the top end of all this. I am not the best at all of this. 
Uh, as a pastor, I am just like you. You pinch me, it hurts. Finances are not always the easiest. I'm excited about the newest and the greatest things out there. So really, as I'm speaking this message, I'm really talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. So let's learn together in this process. Is that fair? All right, five principles of personal finance. Number one, sit down and evaluate your finances. Sit down and evaluate your finances. This means take the time to really know what's coming in every month and what's going out at the end of the month. Some of you in the room have no idea what you make per month because it's automatically deposited into your checking accounts. You have no clue what comes in. You need to know what's coming in and what's going out. Sometimes it's so easy just to spin, 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 and not really know where it all goes. It's vital that you sit down. If you're married, if you have a, a significant other, it's important that you sit down with them, that you process this together. What comes in? What do you bring home? What goes out? What do you expense? That includes your trips to McDonald's, to Starbucks. Come on, somebody. Talked to somebody this morning, and they're like, I didn't want to jeopardize my Starbucks this morning, so I left some people at the house, and I headed on out. <laughs> I'm not going to call you out, Jaina. <laughs> you, you need to take into consideration every one of those little expenses. Did you know that little amounts add up to large amounts? They really do. It's amazing. We uh, several months ago, and we're getting ready to do it again. Um, just warning here that we we took some time and we really cracked down because it's it's easy to get in the rut of every day just going out for lunch, right? So several months ago, we had some things coming up and some expenses, so we were trying to make sure that we were going to have the finances that we needed to to cover that. So we put a, a stop. We kind of did a Barney Fife moment, nip it, you know. We, we tried to nip it right there prior to, and we found out we saved a lot of money not going to lunch every day. Well, Pastor, it's only $7 for lunch. Yeah, $7 times 5 is 35. See how quick I did that math? 35 times 4 is a lot more. Yeah, a lot more. $140. $140 a month, that's just for one. You times that by three. 140 times three is three-something, 420. I don't know. It, it's bigger. Numbers are getting out of control here. Let me move on. You get the point. Know what your expenses are. Can I suggest that you sit down and you try to categorize? These are the necessities. House payments, that's important. That's more important than Starbucks. Utilities, cleaning supplies, clothing, food, entertainment, car, gas, etc. Make a list of what are your expenses every month. Why is this important? Because we are the managers. We're managing something that doesn't belong to us. If you if you own some rental property, and some of you in the room do, 
if you owned rental property and your renters were just like, eh, let anything happen, and you came in and you looked at your property later, you would be amazed with how everything got trashed. Yet isn't that sometimes what we do with our finances? Just anything goes, oh, if I want that, I'll go get that. If, I need, if that looks good, I'll go get it. Man, last night I was driving back. I had a meeting in Kansas City in the last couple of days, and I'm driving back. and It's one of those moments where I passed a Chick-fil-A. I could eat it seven times a day. And in that moment, I wasn't really wanting Chick-fil-A because I, I really wasn't hungry at all. But they have, I think they call it dreamsicle ice cream. Glory, hallelujah. Have you ever had the ice cream at Chick-fil-A? Oh, you need to try it. It will change your life. It's like homemade ice cream instantaneously in a cone that looks beautiful with a glow and a halo as you walk away. It is awesome. And, and I'm driving and, and, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to pull in and I'm going to give me a dream sickle ice cream because why? Because I deserve it. But then God reminded me in that moment in a series that we're preaching right now on finances. And he's like, you know, you got ice cream at home. You don't need to stop now. In an hour, you can have ice cream. And it's good ice cream. You can have ice cream at home. So I bypassed. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I bypassed ice cream. Those of you that know me well, um, you'll know that's huge. By the way, if you see Pastor Lanley between service, remind her she owes me ice cream. <laughs> Pass that on. It's a true story. She does owe me ice cream. And she hasn't been good on that yet. So let her know. Um, you need to know your expenses. You need to know what is going in and, and what is going out. Take some time to really write that stuff down. Proverbs chapter 27 says this, Know well the condition of your flocks. Now, not many of you have goats and, and sheeps. Sheeps? Let's go with sheep. Solomon, when he was writing here, this was several thousand years ago, that's kind of where their assets were, were laid out. They were in sheep and goat and, or both, and they, that's where they had all their funds. But for today, I think maybe he would say, know well your financial status. Know your bank accounts. Keep good records of what you expense out. Keep good records of, of what's coming in. Give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever. He's saying, know what's happening with your finances. You're to be aware of your money. You're be, to be aware of that which God has entrusted to you. Maybe you've said this statement before. I just don't know where it all goes. Man, I thought for sure that, that on the onset of this month, this was going to be a better month. I mean, I had this going on and my check was a little larger. I really thought things were going to be better. I just don't know where it all goes. Can I just tell you, if you make that statement, you're already in trouble. If you don't know where your money goes, if you don't know where it's all headed, guess what? I know where you're headed. You're headed to big time debts. You may already be deeply in debt. You don't know how you got there. But if you are in the dark about how much you make, 
if you're in the dark about where it all goes, you're setting yourself up for failure. In fact, let me give you a very simple equation that I've shared with this congregation a handful of times over the last seven years because it's so vitally true. Ignorance of your financial condition plus easy credit equals disaster. Ignorance of your financial condition plus easy credit equals disaster. By the way, those payday loans, run from them. That is a trap. Uh, if you have credit cards, you, you're not keeping good records of your credit cards, you'll find yourself spiraling downward very quickly. One major problem that many families have, many relationships have, is one person keeps their other person in the dark when it comes to our finances. Can't tell you how many times I've sitting across the desk from a couple getting ready to get married and we're doing premarital counseling and I'm talking about finances and are you going to have joint checking accounts and what's this look like and one person has no clue of what's happening with the finances at all it's vitally important that you share with one another don't hold back that information it's going to save you a lot of stress our first principle sit down and evaluate your finances number two create a financial action plan Create an action plan. Some would call this a budget. Again, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. Tell your money where it's going rather than your money telling you where it went. Proverbs chapter 21 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to, say it with me, poverty. Good planning. In other words, just take a few moments Sit down around the kitchen table and plan out your spending. Good planning will lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts, too many dreamsicle ice cream cones, too many trips to Starbucks. Oh, but I had a coupon. It was 40% off. See, a budget by definition is simply planned spending. It tells your money where to go. It's planned spending. So what is it this verse is saying? Well, very simple. Financial freedom is not determined by how much you make. Think about that. Financial freedom is not determined by how much you make. I know some of you right now are arguing with me in your mind. Well, pastor, if I just made... $20,000 more a year, if I just made $5,000 more a year, if I could just get a dollar raise, if I just had a little bit more, then I would be financially stable, I would be financially free. No, you wouldn't, you would spend more. I had like four brave people that said amen. But it's the truth. Some of you spend your bonus before you get your bonus. You think, well, if I just made a little bit more, I'd be financially free. You certainly will not. If you can't live on what you make now, you won't ever live on what you make. Financial freedom comes not from making more. It comes from, listen carefully, spending less. 
It comes from, I love that my, my amens are coming from those in the upper age bracket of life. Because we're, we're thinking in our mind, we've been there! We don't need any more junk! If you spend less, you don't have to make more. I know, isn't that rocket science right there? If you spend less, you don't have to make more. But advertisers, I'll I, I tell you what, they, 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 know, they know how to get you. And sometimes it's a little creepy. I mean, yesterday I was talking to someone, I can't remember what it was, talking to somebody about something, and then I opened up a Facebook a few minutes later, and there was an ad for that. And I'm like, you're evil. <laughs> now watch, I'll have an, I'll have an ad about salvation or something to come up. <laughs> but advertisers, they know how to get you. There's a word that they use. And I want you to watch out for this word, because this word will trip some of you up every single moment. It's not a big word. It's not a big fancy word. Every one of you know this word. It's a very simple word, and the word is sale. And, and you say things like this. You justify it by saying things like this. Well, look how much I saved. And I love some of the department stores. They figured out, they put in big, bold print, and they even have their machines circle it. You saved this amount today. You know why you saved that amount? Because they marked the price up so they could mark the price down so that they could say that you saved it. And I love Amazon. Amazon is so notorious for that. The original market price for this is $4,322, but if you buy it today, it's $19.99. Have you noticed that? I'm like, who sets that price? The person that wants you to buy the item because you think you're getting a good deal. But think how much money you are spending. Now, please don't get angry at me. Promise? Say, I will not get mad at you. Proverbs 21 says, stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. You promised me you wouldn't get angry. Now, I know other translations say it nicer. Some translations say fools. But I wanted you to get the point. This is God's IQ test. How smart are you? I'm not concerned. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? I don't care if you're smarter than a fifth grader. The Bible says stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. How are you managing the money that God has entrusted to you? And i got to move on. Principle number three, learn to say no. Learn to say no. It's vital that you set boundaries for yourself. It's vital that you set boundaries for your family. By the way, if you are not the financial smart one in your family, do not be in charge of the finances. If neither one of you are the smart one in your family, find somebody to help you. Come talk to me. We'll set you up with somebody to get you on a good path. But you've got to learn to say no. Remember last week I challenged you that every day you have a choice to make. You must choose either to build your life, your work, your health, your family, your, on the world's views, or you can build it upon the biblical view from God's perspective. 
It's a battle that we face every single day. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 says this, It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. It's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. Some of you parents just looked at your young adult's uh, child. I'm not calling them a child, but they are your child. You just looked at them and you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Some of you wives just looked at your husband. It's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. Sometimes what we don't have, here's the deal, sometimes what we don't have keeps us from enjoying what we do. Our culture constantly puts this pressure on us to be discontent. And in return, we will pursue our discontentment to the point of getting into debt and into financial difficulties, and we find ourselves working at life instead of enjoying life. Did you grab that? We find ourselves, because we're pursuing discontentment so much, we find ourselves working at life. Well, another day, another dollar. Rather than enjoying life. But what did Jesus say? He said, I will give you what you need for the enjoyments of life. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, Their trust should be in God. Your trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyments. Principle number four. Begin to save. I'm not going to ask you this morning how many of you have a a nest egg, a a back uh, savings account or anything like that, but you must begin to save. The Bible says the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Again, God's IQ test. The wise man saves, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. It's a mark of wisdom to save. So let me ask, how wise are you? I'm told that those in Japan save about 20% of their income. Those in Europe save about 18%. But we Americans in the home of the free, the land of the brave, we spend 1% more than we earn. How wise are we? Stupid people spend their money faster than they get it. Dave Ramsey, a financial guru, uh, he made this statement. He said, We all know we need to save. Yes, across the room. Do we all agree saving is good? We all know we need to save, but most people don't save like they know they need to save. That's that's profound. Why? Because we have competing goals. The goal to save isn't as high or isn't high enough priority to delay the purchase of the pizza, DVD player, New computer or China cabinet. He tried to catch every age bracket there, I believe. Some of you young people have no clue what a China cabinet is. 
And some of you older people don't know what a DVD player is. So we're, we're even. <laughs> so we purchase, buy, consume all our dollars away, or worse yet, get into debt to buy these things. That debt means monthly payments to control our paychecks and make us say things like, we just don't make enough money to save any money. We just don't make enough to save any money. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Look at your neighbor and say wrong. We do make enough to save money. We just aren't willing to quit spoiling ourselves with our little project or pleasures to have enough left to save. It doesn't matter what you make, you can save money. It just has to become a big enough priority to you. We have a live for today mentality. What can I gain today? And I want to challenge you in and through this series, change that mindset. Begin to base your financial status, your financial ability, what comes in and what goes out, base that upon a biblical view from God. Finally, number five, trust God through giving. Again, who owns it? God. We're just the managers. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord by giving Him the first part of all your income, and He will fill your barns. Now, we discussed this quite a bit last week, so I'm not going to take the time to rehash tithing today. I would encourage you, if you missed last week, go back and listen to that message. But we look at this verse... And, and some in the room, they take it to heart. Some are like, yeah, I need to give God the, the first portion. I need to give God the tithe. I need to give back to God what already belongs to Him. And sometimes we, we push it to the side and we think, well, it's not really a, an important scripture. I'll push it away. But just about five verses earlier in Proverbs chapter 3, we take to heart. Look at this. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. And some of you could probably quote this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Oh, you know this one, right? Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. We look at that scripture, and oftentimes we quote that, man, just trust God. Right now in this situation, I know what you're going through, but trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. The cool thing is, you're not required to understand it all. God's got that. Just trust Him. He'll show you which path to take. Man, that's a great scripture. And five verses later where it says, give back to God the first portion. We're like, well... That doesn't really apply. It does. It does. Here's the principle. It's not just about your money. It's the principle of life, and that's what I'm trying to get us to understand in this series. Even though it's a, a series on stewardship financially, it's really about stewardship of life. Whatever you want God to bless in your life, Put him first. 
God will bless what you put first, not the leftovers. If you're willing to bless your finances, put Him first. If you're willing to bless your family, put Him first. If you can't afford, listen carefully, if you can't afford to give back to God, it simply means you're spending too much. Things aren't in the right priority. The Bible says in Job chapter 31, if I have put my trust in money, if my happiness depends on wealth, it would mean that I denied the God of heaven. On your outline, there's a little scale. And it says, how am I managing God's money? You can, you can fill that out now if you want, or let that be a, a process this week of, God, how am I doing? God, what's that look like? And let God reveal that to you, and then, then circle. Maybe you say, man, I am knocking it out of the park. I'm going to say I'm a nine. Boom. Maybe you say, well, I'm not doing too hot, Pastor. I'm about a two. Here's what, I, here's what I want you to get. Do not, do not think that over the next month you can move from a two to a nine. Your goal should be, God, help me to move from a two to a three. When you get to that three, celebrate. No, don't go buy something. The last 35 minutes just went boom. When you get to a three, work toward a four, a four to a five, a five to a six, a six to a seven, and move yourself up to that place. Now, do I ever think we're going to hit a 10? Probably not. Because we're all human and, and dream sickles are out there. But how can you move up that scale? of being the best manager that you possibly can be